In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So just get a quick review. We have been looking at the transition that took place from Israel being a nation of God. They only had judges, which means when they have judges, it means that God is their king. In front of all the nations, they look like poor. They don't have army. They don't have soldiers. They don't have anything. When an enemy comes, what do they have to do? They have to pray. And God comes and saves them. This is the model that God wanted for his people. Later on, his people said, no, we don't want this model. We don't like it. God, out of his humility, he said, I will give you a king. When God picked a king to Israel, this is, I think what God was trying to do is trying to balance two things. One, he wanted to give them a good king, but also a king that would look good in their eyes. So he picked somebody who's tall physically, Saul, and he tried to prepare him. How did he prepare him? We saw last chapter, it was all preparation for Saul. God allowed him to lose his donkey, it's a long story. And then he came to Samuel, he met Samuel, and everything seems to happen by chance until, until Samuel told him, God is calling you. And he had a nice night with Samuel, discipled him. Next morning, he spent it with the prophets. He started prophesizing. He took a retreat for seven days. God is preparing him to be a king. Now, when Saul came back to his land, came back to where he was supposed to, where, to, to, to his family because the donkey was lost. His uncle asked him, where were you? And he told him, I, I was looking for the donkey. And then we met, Saul, uh, we met Samuel. And then we stopped last time when his uncle told him, what did Samuel tell you? So Saul answered and told him about the donkey, but never told him what Samuel told him about the kingdom because it was a secret. And we'll know now why it was a secret. Okay? Now look what happens in chapter 10, verse 17. Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. You guys remember, Mizpah is where the people requested a king. So now Samuel is calling them back to the place where they requested a king. And it's actually, Mizpah is, is a strategic city because it's located closer to the enemy of Palestine. So when they ordain a king, hopefully his own eyes will look at the enemy of God so he can, he can become a spiritually aware king. And he said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and deliver you from the hands of the Egyptian and from the hands of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. Look, even though God said, I will give you a king, and God is not fully approving of them having a king. Every time, God will remind them. See the life you chose. See the path you took. You have drifted far. And what does God always remind them of? Slavery in Egypt, crossing the Red Sea. From now on, when we look at this part, we always want to remember something very important. What's the slavery of Egypt and crossing the Red Sea mean for us? It means for us the cross. 
when the Pascha, the Passover, was the last event when they crossed the Red Sea. For us, the Eucharist. Every time I am drifting away from God, I am reminded by the Eucharist, by the love of the Eucharist, by God who is pouring himself to us in the Eucharist. Not only by the way pouring himself, washing our feet in the Eucharist. The same night that God gave communion, the same night as God washed the feet. For Samuel is going to talk to the people, remind them, God is going to give you what you want, but remember where you are. Remember what God meant for you to be. And he said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the land of the Egyptian and from the hands of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. I'm going to be honest with you. The word oppressed you, you have to stop at it for a little bit. Because in our life, we are oppressed by two things. Our sins and our self. Our sins and our self. It's not only oppression, it's imprisonment. To get out of yourself, to be able to freely talk to God, it takes few, few, few minutes. And I'll tell you guys something. Sometime, I'm even doing the work, like I'm laboring. I'm standing up and I'm praying the morning hour. And then what? Because I'm so imprisoned. Instead of praying the morning hour, I see my thoughts all over the place. I want to entertain myself, but at the same time, check the box that I finish prayer. Imprisonment inside our hearts that prevents us to be able to enjoy what God meant for us to be. God said, I have freed you. Why do you want to go back? Why do you want to go back? I think probably when Samuel started talking, the people of Israel might have thought, well, God probably rejected our request. He changed his mind. But God is not changing his mind. God is telling them, why allow yourself to live this life where you can have access to all the power of heaven and you live oppressed? Humiliated, slave. God is not happy with the requests, but God still will give them a king. And we pray, Kida, tell God, do not give me anything that's not according to your will, even if I ask for it. And when Samuel has caused all the tribe of Israel to come near, Sorry, uh, verse 19. But you have today rejected your God. Wow, you've rejected God. Who himself saved you? 
from all your adversaries and your tribulation. And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and by your claims. He's telling them, Can you imagine the day that God has given them the gift they requested? He's telling them, You have rejected me. God, I really, really want this nice car. I want you to live a modest life. But when you get it, you will reject me. I really want it. Take it. And then what's going to happen? The car will enslave you. Remember, some people, when they get a fancy car, truly, it really enslaves them. When they go in any store, they have to park far, have to make sure, they come out, they have to check it. If something happens to the car, they are sad. Enslavement. Right? Not only dream about kings and idols in our life, and that says it's oppressing you. It's stressing you. Why? Somebody start getting kid obsessed with stock market which is popular now and every two minutes it went up it went down it went up it went down good mood bad mood good mood bad mood it became slave God says I freed you already why do you want to put yourself under slavery why do you want to get another king but anyways God said you know what I'll give you what you want I think one of the most scary verses in, in the Bible, when God says to the evil, evil people, God says, I will give them what they want. So when you get what you want, don't be so happy if it's not according to, 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 the, uh, to the will of God. And then Samuel has caused all the tribes of Israel to come near. The tribe of Benjamin was Trojan. Be careful. God already chose Saul to be what? A king. But now they gather the people. Samuel didn't say Saul is going to be the king. No, they casted lots. Be careful. They casted eh, lots. And when they said he was chosen, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen, means there was lots. So you see this also in Joshua 14 and in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Chronicles 18. It is, it, is the way they, it is the way they picked. It's almost like when Pope Carlos, for example, was chosen as a, as a Pope. Yes, we did lots, we did everything. But there was a prophecy before that that he was going to be a Pope. God already knows whom he's going to choose. And when he, when, they, when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Mitri was chosen. The soul, son of Kish, was chosen but when they sought him, he could not be found. So basically the way it goes, they cast a lot, they pick one tribe, they picked Benjamin. After Benjamin, Benjamin has many families. They cast another lot. Who is it? Families. Once the families go smaller family. Once they pick a smaller family, then they pick a lot between the sons. Came to Saul. Where is Saul? Disappeared. He knows he's gonna be the king. Where is he disappeared? Why? Because he felt unworthy. You know, God always talks about our first love. 
our first moments when we start serving, our first days when we start turning the switch on inside our hearts. This is when we feel unworthy, we are overwhelmed by love. In monastic life, there's a big teaching to remind the monk of his first days in the monastery. Soul feels embarrassed, unworthy. This is, by the way, not going to be the same souls in two chapters. It's completely different. And that's always important to remember our beginnings. Dante, you were nobody. And there are so many more people qualified than you. God brought you and said, I will make you a king. Me, king, I'm, I'm no, I don't know anything. Me to serve, me to walk into your church, to your house, to take your body and blood. Yes, you. I'm calling you. You feel unworthy. Unfortunately, some people with time, they belittle the gifts of God. Therefore, they required of the Lord further. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is hidden among the equipments. So they couldn't find Saul. So they acquired from the Lord. Who did they acquire from the Lord? Samuel. Samuel is the one who acquires from the Lord. I was talking to somebody today about this. Some people in their life, they reach a state where their heart is in constant communication with God. Something, wow, above our understanding. And I, I won't even pretend I understand anything about this. But what's happening is, Samuel, it's like Pope Crowley, Samuel is in constant communication with God. When people talk about how do I pray without ceasing, this is it. Samuel is in constant prayer with God unceasingly. People asking, where are the men? They didn't even mention Samuel. They inquired from God. Who? Samuel. Connection. Channel. Open. Right away. Samuel told them he's hidden among the equipments. They, they brought him. They brought him. Some people, when they get a new responsibility, they feel they've earned it. They've deserved it. And some, when they get a new responsibility, they feel they are unworthy. Best leaders are the ones who feel unworthy. Best husband and wife are the ones who feel unworthy. I don't deserve to have a children. I don't deserve my husband. I don't deserve my wife. The person who feels entitled I could have done better. Ah. Difficult to deal with. Difficult to deal with. So they ran and brought him from the, uh, brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulder upwards. It's, you know, it's impressive that this is the one verse that the Bible keeps repeating about Saul. He was taller. He was taller. Looks like the people were obsessed. 
you know, we want somebody كده إيه يملا العين يفيل our eyes كده. Had the beautiful, attractive, you know, something كده إيه special. God said, you want the special? Here is the special. He reminds them. He's tall. This is what you want. Tall, strong. This is what you want. And probably they, probably they ask for this because they have seen their enemies how they look like. The Philistines, the Canaanites, they all look big. I want to drink and party and have vacations and have weddings just like every other, everybody else. And Samuel said to the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There, there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Samuel, when God, two points about this verse. When God picked the king, he wanted to make him successful. Honestly, it's God's humility is unfathomable in this story. They pick somebody and God tells them, nobody like this guy. Respect him. Honor him. God, they don't want, they rejected you, God. They said, I know. I won't give up on them. I'm going. You know, you want to see a great example of humility? See how your parents treat you. See how my parents treat me. You can yell and scream and curse and all that stuff. At the end of the day, they're still your parents. No one is like him. And then look, the people respond and says, hey, long live the king. I want to stop at this verse for one second. This is the first time they ever have a king. And they already have a response. They know how to greet the king. They've been obsessed with having a king. They've been obsessed with their idols. Imagine with me, how did God feel looking from heaven above? When they're looking at an earthly king, this is the moment when Samuel just told them, you rejected the God. And what they're saying, long live the king. How did God feel in heaven? How broken he was. To see his children choosing slavery. To see his own people saying, we don't want you. Nothing for God. They haven't offered things. They haven't offered repentance. Oh, I got what I want. I passed my exam. Yeah, time for me to relax. That you were on your knees crying to God to help you. Now you've earned it. Now you've worked hard. Now it's all you. Overnight. The God solved the problem that I already mish gave up on. I stopped praying for. No, thank you. I deserve it. That's what they said. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord 
And Samuel sends all the people away, every man to his house. It's almost like Samuel said, okay, you guys picked a king, let's set the constitution of Israel. We're going to write a document, and this document will kind of have the footprint of the relationship between the king and the people. And by the way, we said already that God already gave them the footprint in Deuteronomy. So Samuel is not coming up with something new. He's using already what God has given in the scripture. And he's formulating a document to become a constitution between the people and God. This is important for us because sometimes in our life, it's important for us to keep diaries and write down the relationship, the details of the relationship between us and God. Why? So I could go back and look. When I forget, I can go back and look and see what happened. What happened? I remember one time, one year, I decided to write all the things that God did with me this year. Kept listing, 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 listing. And then two days later, I discovered that all the stuff I listed were only in the last two months. Ten months, completely forgot from how much he does. Where is the document that reminds me of my obligation? My responsibility. God has given me a document that tells me his own obligation towards me. I am with you. I will die for you. I am the good shepherd. And Saul also went to Geba and valiant men went with him whose heart, had, had, uh, whose heart got touched. But some rebels, rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. So what happened was, after, after this situation, after Samuel announced Saul as a king, some, some people could have said, you know what, God called this man to become a king, let's follow him. This is normal in any service, any church. When, for example, uh, somebody puts in a, is a responsible for a service, some people, they say, you know what, let's make the service succeed. Some people despise the person. But what did Saul said? The Bible says, so beautiful. But he held his what? His peace. Yani he held his peace. And I have a choice to lose my peace or to keep it. If you think your peace is cheap, lose it. If you think your peace is so cheap, lose it. And if you think it's valuable, keep it. Any valuable thing in our life requires a cost. To keep your peace requires a cost. When somebody cuts me off on the road, I have an option to keep my peace 
and say, you know what, maybe he has an issue, maybe he's running, he has a bad day, maybe he's running to save somebody's life. Or I could get angry and revenge and try to speed and try to cut him out and make a scene and make a drama. I have two choices, to buy my peace or to sell it. Are you willing to put the sacrifice, to put the price on your peace? And by the way, this is, was expected. Why? Saul, where was Saul before this? Saul was retreat for seven days, prophesizing with the prophets. He was, took his own time with Samuel. He felt unworthy. He felt humble. The natural response is this. If I don't spend time with God and I don't get nourished, the, the natural response is anger, revenge, and all the worldly things we see. Together when we say, read your Bible, pray. I know, I know, I know, I have to do it. It's not, you have to do it. This is life. If you don't do it, you're dead. It's not optional. You keep losing because you don't do it. You keep dying because you don't do it. You keep living a life that's not yours because you don't do it. This is what happened. You live with God, you respond like God. You don't fill yourself with God. You respond like savage, like animals, like people who have no mercy. Sometime less even than human. Less even, and so you're going to see in the next chapter how somebody can act less than human. This is a beautiful beginning of Saul the king. Now Saul, by the way, he didn't, it's not like once he inaugurated him, now they have a nice palace for him, and he's, no, not at all. He went back to his house. Whatever job he does, watch over the sheep, whatever he did, went back, running after his donkey, back. No, nothing, nothing, nothing special for this guy. We're going to see now, what did God do? Then, uh, chapter 11 says, uh, Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabash Gilead. And all the men of Jabash said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. Just let me explain a couple of things so you guys understand what's happening. Earlier, the Bible says that the Amorites had, the Amorites is people around Israel. They had peace with Israel during the time of Samuel. God now wants Saul to become a king, wants him to become the real king. They put him home. So, Jabath Gilead is a city in the border between the Ammonites and Israel. So, the king of the Amorites coming to take over. So the people of Jabesh Gilead came and told him, we cannot fight you. Whatever you want, we will do for you. Alulu, whatever we want, we will serve you. You want to take us slaves? Take us slaves. Can you imagine? They're telling him, take us slaves. And make covenant. Covenant, يعني, forever, long time. Will these slaves us and our children, our grandchildren? As if God is not there, as if they don't have a king, nothing. 
We are willing to be slaves of sin without a fight. Fight, pray, take an action. Ah, not today. You're losing. You know, I stopped fighting. You stopped fighting? Stop, see what happens to you. Look, verse 2. And Nahash, the Amorites, answered them, On this condition, I will make a covenant with you. You guys want to make a covenant with me? You want to make a deal? Yes, stop. I will give you one condition. What's the condition? See what he said. That I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. Ya Allah. What is he saying? He's telling him, I want you to stand together, big line, and I will pull out your right eye. One by one, pull out your right eye. Pull out your right eye. A great humiliation beyond any imagination. Tavin, you know why he wants to pull out the right eye or no? When you fight a war, what happens? You usually have a shield on your left and you're fighting with a, with the right. When he pulls out the right eye, they can't fight. They will only be slaves for the rest of their life. And this is what the devil wants to do with us. You know what's the right eye in our spiritual life? The right eye, my dear friends, is faith. If the devil makes me lose my faith, I will live all my life slave to sin. If the devil make me lose my faith, I will live all my life not only slave to sin, the fee pain. Pulling out their eyes is painful. The fee humiliation. The fee rejection. Remember, one person yani, was telling me she had issues with, with drug addiction. She was telling me whenever she goes to any hospital in the area, they know she usually is coming for drugs. She told me, they treat me like garbage. They treat me like garbage. Be careful because the devil wants to destroy your faith. What's the biggest fight now against the church? It's not heresies. It's people not believing in God. Or people who believe in God doubt in the Bible. Or doubt in the sacraments. Doubt. And then, once I don't have faith, then come serve. Be slave. Slave of sin. He says, I will bring reproach. Look, and I will bring reproach on all Israel. I will make you live all your life shameful, ashamed. Ashamed. 
always, you guys, I'll tell you something interesting. You know, when uh, God, our Lord, usually spoke about the shepherd and the sheep and the foxes. You know one thing the foxes like to do? You know what they like to do? They like to pick the biggest, fattest sheep in the flock. And then they attack him. But they don't eat it. They kill it and leave it dead. To scare all the other sheep. This is what the devil does. Give me somebody who used to believe in God, who used to be a servant, who used to be active, and I will. So you can walk around shameful, down, scared. Wow. Don't ever and me and you go with sin without a fight even if you fall because if you go without a fight it will demand more it will bring you lower because his ultimate goal is to take out your faith and my faith that's what's happening with the people of Israel then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days, that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel, and then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. Imagine with me the situation. They said, We'll send out to people, Israel is all tribes. A yani, few people kill they have a couple of staffs so or sticks, so, you know, yani, the Amorite king, just if he sneezes, he controls, he destroys Israel. So Allah will just give us seven days. And if not, what they will do? They will come out for what? To block out their eyes. The messengers came to, get to Geba of Saul and told the news and the healing of the people and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Hagatiksif. The sad news came they're going to pull out our eyes. Can you guys help us? What is, the, what is the rest of Israel doing? Crying. This is what happens when, for example, somebody dies from overdose or a result of something. People around him, they're struggling. Struggling. says here they heard the news and wept and by the way this is the condition of humanity before Christ this is exactly the devil is coming after us we have no savior sin comes we weep because there's nothing we can do Those people are not only crying out of the love for their brethren. No, they're crying because after, after this city, he's coming to the city, the one after it and the one after it, he's going to destroy all Israel. 
They're crying for what's gonna happen to all of them. A state of hopelessness. That's what's happening. Look, good news. Now there was Saul. Saul finally appeared. As it, by the way, look at this story as if Saul is not even a king. They even didn't think about him at all. Coming behind the herd from the field, and Saul said, What troubles the people and why they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. You see, that Saul, out of humility as a king, where did he go? He went to go after the herd. Farmer went back to, his, to, to the field. One beautiful thing, the, the book of Proverbs, Samuel, said something beautiful. And I, I think this verse is, it is important. He said, he went back to, the, to look at the herds because the crown does not endure to every generation. What, it, what does that mean? It means that there's something in my life that's always fixed. And something external, responsibility and gifts and all that, that will come to me. What's more important, Samuel said, is watching over the herd. Because the crown does not last from generation. What does that mean? Right now, for example, I'm an active servant and I go and I come and I feel effective and popular and all that stuff, that's fine. But if you don't build the herds, your right relationship with God, once you get married and feel like now you're not as noticed, not as seen in the church, not as getting your respect from the people around you, not noticed, the crown is taken away, how are you going to feel? By saying, watching over your, your herd, is more important than the crown because the crown will go from generation can, can leave you but the herd is yours the relationship with God is yours his portion is with you Daniel the prophet can be one day the second man in the kingdom and one day can be in the lion's den the relationship with God is always fixed Look at Saul. Saul, when he came out of his humility, concerned about the people. What troubles the people? Why they weep? Why are you sad? This is the, the heart of a good child of God. Why are you sad? Why are you weeping? He cares. He's compassionate. When they told him, look what happened. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. Because Saul is prepared, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and then he became angry. This is holy anger. And I want you guys, if you have time, if any of you guys has time, I want you to do the study in the Bible. The Bible, every time it says God got angry and what was the result? God gets angry at the people, he gives them a king. There has nothing, it's not a response of anger. God gets angry at Abraham, tell him, okay, keep the flocks, keep the extra stuff for yourself. This is not a response of anger. The anger of God, the anger of the children of God, is not an anger of revenge. It's an awareness, awareness of the work 
of the enemy. Awareness of the failure of our response. Saul did not say, you know what? Fine, good for you. I am a king. You didn't even ask about me. No gifts, nothing. I'm watching over the herd. This is terrible. I'm like the least king. In the, 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 the priest is much better than me. Samuel is getting more respect than me. I'm a king doing nothing. Good for you. No. No. He got the news and the Spirit of the Lord came. When my heart is prepared, God will speak in the right times. Does he speak only through the clergy, through servants? No. Even through children. We were, uh, we were, I was praying a liturgy in, in, uh, in St. Mark Christian Academy about like maybe last, last two weeks ago or something. So one of the deacons was explaining the reading. They asked him, what is baptism? So one little child can raise his hand. Oh, yes, what is baptism? Allah, God takes all his love and puts it in the baby. God takes all, all his love and puts it in the Who taught him this? When a, a high schooler or a college draws his friends close to God. The Spirit of the Lord came. I've see, I see my friends straying. I see us cursing more, listening to bad music more, straying away from God more, not coming to church more. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and move you to take an action. Or my fear has overcome me that I don't hear the voice of the Spirit. A lot of times we live by fear. I don't want my friends to be upset. I don't want to look awkward. I don't want to look weird. They will all lose their eye. They will all lose their faith. So let's see what Saul did. So he took, he took a yoke of oxen and cut them into pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of a messenger saying, whoever does not go out was Saul and Samuel to the battle. So it shall be done to him as this oxen and the fear of the Lord. It's so it shall be done to his oxen and the fear of the Lord fell on the people and they came out with one consent. So what happened? What did he do? He took an ox, cut it into pieces, and he told the people, if you don't come out with us, look what he did. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill your ox. And if he consequences for you not coming and fighting, as a king, 
he was seasoned by the wisdom of God. He's not going to go kill his own people. لا, I'm going to kill something that is precious to you. If you don't come out and fight with God and help your friends and help the people in need and hear the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, precious things in your life will be lost. Your ox will be broken. Oh, by the way, in Deuteronomy 28.31, this was a judgment. It says, Thus shall be done to his ox. God has threatened it as a great judgment. In Deuteronomy 28.31, Thy ox shall be slain before thy eyes, and thou shalt not eat thereof. This is their, their wealth, the things they depend on. Anytime we put a system, there must be a consequence. The consequence should be reasonable. The system should be reasonable. Not in a way it drives people away, and not in a way that people don't feel obligated to act. So he told the people, come, and look, what did God do? God put the fear of God inside their heart. And by the way, this is a lot of times when you see how God is reacting. When you have to work with other people and God puts his fear or his favor in their heart. Because this project, God works. God wants this project. God wants this to happen. Recently, somebody came and asked me to, to work on a project, and honestly, I didn't have time and I didn't want to, just a confession. Within the next week, some, all the things that the project requested, God sent me people, Abuna, I want to do this. Abuna, I want to do this. I know. Every day I was like, so I have 50 million projects God is not helping me with. And the one project that I don't want to do, God is, wants to take care of it. God pushes it. Why? Because soul is not working for himself. So many times, even in the spiritual life, we're all guilty of this. Part of myself is invested. Soul is purely caring for his people. When Saul had to speak, the first time he spoke, after a long period of prayer, and he spoke the most beautiful words. As a king, he says, hey, tell the people to come with me and Samuel. Samuel, yeah. Samuel the, how old is he now? 80 years old? I am listening. What is he going to do in the war? I want him with me. He's my spiritual father. You're going to a war. Yeah, it's not a war. The peace spiritual reality that's happening around me all the time. It's not a normal war. I need my guide. You're going to look bad in front of people. 
that you as a king asking for, for the prophet to come with you. Not at all. Not at all. We see that we're going to see this next week that this war, God worked in a way that is beyond imagination. They went from about to lose their faith to a stage where all of them were rejoicing and celebrating. That's one thing I want us to leave with. It's important when the Spirit speaks inside my heart for the sake of my brothers and sisters. For me, not to stay and do nothing. Because the devil is working on breaking the eyes of the people, the faith of the people. And glory be to God forever and ever.